Creators and welcome back. Before I get started today, I just want to remind you that our episode next month on May the 27th will be another guest speaker episode. More details will be revealed the closer we get to the date, so stay tuned. Today, I'm going to be reading the eagerly awaited next part of our favourite classic, Chapter 5 of Don Quixote by Miguel de Cervantes. So, take a moment to get cosy and comfortable and drift off. Chapter 5 In which the narrative of our night's mishap is continued. Finding then that, in fact, he could not move, he thought himself of having recourse to his usual remedy, which was to think of some passage in his books, and his craze brought to his mind that about Baldwin and the Marquis of Mantua, when Carlotto left him wounded on the mountainside, a story known by heart by the children, not forgotten by the young men, and lauded and even believed by the old folk, and for all that not a whit truer than the miracles of Mahomet. He seemed to him to fit exactly the case in which he found himself, so, making a show of severe suffering, he began to roll on the ground and with feeble breath repeat the very words which the wounded knight of the wood is said to have uttered. Where art thou, lady mine, that thou my sorrow dost not true? Thou canst not know it, lady mine, or else thou art untrue. And so he went on with the ballad as far as the lines. O noble Marquis of Mantua, my uncle and liege lord. As chance would have it, when he had got to this line, there happened to come by a peasant from his own village, a neighbour of his, who had been with a load of wheat to the mill, and he, seeing the man stretched there, came up to him and asked him who he was, and what was the matter with him that he complained so dolefully. Don Quixote was firmly persuaded that this was the Marquis of Mantua, his uncle. So the only answer he made was to go on with his ballad, in which he told the tale of his misfortune, and of the loves of the Emperor's son and his wife, all exactly as the ballad sings it. The peasant stood amazed at hearing such nonsense, and relieving him of his visor, already battered to pieces by blows, he wiped his face, which was covered in dust, and as soon as he had done so, he recognised him and said, Senor Quiada, for so he appears to have been called when he was in his senses and had not yet changed from a quiet country gentleman into a knight errant. Who has brought your worship to this pass? But to all questions, the other only went on with his ballad. Seeing this, the good man removed, as well as he could, his breastplate and backpiece to see if he had any wound, but he could perceive no blood nor any mark whatever. 
He then contrived to raise him from the ground, and with no little difficulty hoisted him. And with no little difficulty hoisted him upon his ass, which seemed to him to be the easiest mount for him. And collecting the arms, even to the splinters of the lance, he tied them to Rocinante, and leading him by the bridle and the ass by the halter, he took the road for the village. Very sad to hear what absurd stuff Don Quixote was talking. Nor was Don Quixote less so, for what with blows and bruises he could not sit upright on the ass, and from time to time he sent up sighs to heaven, so that once more he drove the peasant to ask what ailed him, and it could have been only the devil himself that put into his head tales to match his own adventures, for now, forgetting Baldwin, he bethought himself of the Moor, Abendarith, when Alcaid of Antiquiera, Rodrigo de Narvez, took him prisoner and carried him away to his castle, so that when the peasant again asked him how he was and what ailed him, he gave him for reply the same words and phrases that the captive Abendarith gave to Rodrigo de Narvez, just as he had read the story in the Diana of Jorge de Montemayor, where it is written, applying it to his own case so aptly that the peasant went along, cursing his fate that he had to listen to such a lot of nonsense. From which, however, he came to the conclusion that his neighbour was mad, and so made all haste to reach the village to escape the wearisomeness of this harangue of Don Quixote's, who, at the end of it, said, Senor Don Rodrigo de Narvez, your worship must know that this fair Zarifa, and I mentioned, is now the lovely Dulcinea del Toboso, for whom I have done, am doing, and will do the most famous deeds of chivalry that in this world have been seen, are to be seen, or ever shall be seen. To this the peasant answered, Senor, sinner that I am, cannot your worship see that I am not Don Rodrigo de Narvez, nor the Marquis of Mantua, but Pedro Alonso, your neighbour, and that your worship is neither Baldwin nor Abindarez, but the worthy gentleman, Senor Quiada. I know who I am, replied Don Quixote, and I know that I may be not only those I have named, but all the twelve peers of France, and even all the nine worthies, since my achievements surpass all that they have done altogether, and each of them on his own account. With this talk, and more of the same kind, they reached the village just as night was beginning to fall. But the peasant waited until it was a little later that the belaboured. <sighs> but the peasant waited until it was a little later that the belaboured gentleman might not be seen riding in such a miserable trim. When it was what seemed to him the proper time, he entered the village and went to Don Quixote's house, which he found all in confusion, and there were the curate and the village barber, who were great friends of Don Quixote, and his housekeeper was saying to them in a loud voice, what does your worship think can have befallen my master, Senor Licentiate Pero Perez, for so the curate was called? It is three days now since anything has been seen of him, or the hack, or the buckler, lance, or armour. Miserable me, I am certain of it. And it is as true as that I was born to die, that these accursed books of chivalry he has, and has got into the way of reading so constantly, have upset his reason. 
For now, I remember having often heard him saying to himself that he would turn knight-errant and go all over the world in quest of adventures, to the devil and Barabbas with such books that have brought the ruin in this the finest understanding there was in all La Mancha. The niece said the same, and more. You must know, Master Nicholas, for that was the name of the barber. It was often my uncle's way to stay two days and nights together, poring over these unholy books of misadventures, after which he would fling the book away and snatch up his sword, and fall to slashing the walls. And when he was tired out, he would say he had killed four giants like four towers, and the sweat that flowed from him, when he was weary, he said the blood of the wounds he had received in battle and when he would drink a great jug of cold water and become calm and quiet, saying that this water was the most precious potion, which the sage Esquif, a great magician and friend of his, had brought him. But I take all the blame upon myself for never having told your worships of my uncle's vagaries, that you might put a stop to them before things had come to this pass, and burn all these accursed books, for he has a great number that richly deserve to be burned like heretics. So say I too, said the curate, and by my faith tomorrow shall not pass without public judgment upon them, and may they be condemned to the flames, lest they lead those that read to behave, as my good friend seems to have behaved. All this the peasant heard, and from it he understood at last what was the matter with his neighbour. So he began calling aloud, Open your worships to Senor Baldwin and to Senor the Marquis of Mantua, who comes badly wounded, and to Senor Abindareth the Moor, whom the valiant Rodrigo de Narvez, the Alcaide of Altiquera, brings captive. At these words they all hurried out, and when they recognised their friend, master and uncle, who had not yet dismounted from the ass, because he could not, they ran to embrace him. Hold, said he, for I am badly wounded through my horse's fault. Carry me to bed, and if possible, send for the wise Urganda to cure and see to my wounds. See there, plague on it, cried the housekeeper at this. Did not my heart tell the truth as to which foot my master went lame of? To bed with your worship at once, and we will contrive to cure you here without fetching that Herganda. A curse, I say, once more, and a hundred times more, on those books of chivalry that have brought your worship to such a pass. They carried him to bed at once, and after searching for his wounds, could find none. But he said they were all bruises from having a severe fall with his horse, Rothenante, when in combat with ten giants, the biggest and the boldest to be found on earth. So, so, said the curate, are there giants in the dance? By the sign of the cross, I will burn them tomorrow before the day is over. They put a host of questions to Don Quixote, but his only answer to all was, give him something to eat and leave him to sleep for that was what he needed most. They did so, and the curate questioned the peasant at great length as to how he had found Don Quixote. He told him, and the nonsense he had talked when they found on the way home, all which made the licentiate the more eager to do what he did the next day, which was to summon his friend to the barber, Master Nicholas, and go with him to Don Quixote's house. <laughs>